to Adult, the podcast guiding you to adulting better. My name is Abby, and welcome to this week's wonderful show. So thank you guys for putting up with last week's episode. The audio was not great, and I was very upset because we tested it, it went okay, then it stopped being okay. Blah. Anyway, drama aside, nothing will ever sound that bad again because I have a shiny new recorder coming today and it's going to be so pretty and all of my interviews in person are going to sound 100% better. So look forward to that and look forward to in-person interviews while I run around asking people to be interviewed with my shiny new recorder. One of the things that I've always really wanted to make sure I talked about on this podcast was addiction and sobriety. And all the things, everything from alcohol all the way to, you know, meth, everything. I wanted to make sure that got covered because the early 20s into the mid-20s, that's that's when a lot of people find themselves in trouble, especially transitioning out of college, the alcoholism. You know, it, it was fun in college and then it's trying to translate that into being a, you know, adult person with a job. Sometimes their things get a little bit muddled. So sometimes it's hard and you wake up one day and you realize, oh damn, I think I'm an alcoholic or I think I'm addicted to using drugs and you don't know what to do. You don't know who to reach out for. You don't know what to do. Well, fun story. I was reached out to on this topic organically on Twitter and I decided to give her an interview. Her name is Shira Goldberg. She is an online harm reduction advocate, counselor, and certified sober recovery coach. Now she volunteered some wonderful time to talk to me over Skype and we discuss well, a little bit of everything, because I wanted to know, you know, how to find help. What do you do? And what do you do as a person who sees someone else in trouble? How do you help them? Because it can be tough. I don't know if you guys have ever known anybody that's gone through recovery or have seen the face of addiction, but it is not pretty. It really isn't. And sometimes the recovery method, not, not pretty. And you need somebody to help you lead you through that. And that is what someone like Shira does. They help you because sometimes leaning on your friends, you, you burn some bridges. And I mentioned this later in the, in the podcast, in the interview, but that's a lot to ask from a friend. So I'm just going to jump into the interview. If you guys have any questions, I'll give all my contact and her contact info towards the end. All right, let's just jump right into it. All right, we are here with Shira and she is volunteered her time to talk to us about all kinds of fun stuff addiction sobriety coaching whatnot hi Shira. there's so much to talk about hi thank you so much for having me absolutely it's great to have you um so why don't you tell everybody what what your background is well it's um i'll I'll start with my education because i'm very proud of it um i got a bachelor's of science in um, applied behavior analysis, which is behavior modification. And then I decided I wanted to go and really pursue um, my counseling. So I started um, grad school. And then as I was in the process of that for a master's in counseling, um, I decided I need to get my uh, official alcohol and other drug credentials. So I did that at the same time for a whole year. I went to two schools which was insane, and I do not recommend it, but I did well, and um, now I'm going to be able to get dual licensure once I uh, graduate and complete 3,000 hours, which will take 100 years, but (laughs) but it's all worth it. All right. That's okay. So dual licensure, like, is that a common thing, not common thing? 
Um, I don't think it's too common because basically what it translates to is two different masters. So oh, wow. you can, yeah, so you can get credentialed or you can get certified. I mean, it's all a big hot mess, but <laughs> there's so many different credentials and stuff. I can't even keep up. I think I have enough, and then it's like, oh no, you need this one too. So, but it, I also have a recovery to practice certification from NADAC, and NADAC are they're they're nationwide, probably the uh, biggest organization, or at least one of them. Okay. Um, so, and I don't know, this might be, let me know if this is too personal or not, but um, is there a reason that you decided to get into this field? Yes, there is, because addiction runs quite heavily in my family, um, especially alcohol. So that was passed passed along to me, and I had eight tumultuous years out there couch surfing and not knowing what was going to happen from day to day. And I actually was able to turn it around and um, I decided, well, let me get serious about it. And I tried AA and uh, actually about three times and it just didn't like, it just wasn't a fit for me. And I was like, you know, nothing against AA, but it's like, you know, we're, we're all not hairdressers. So, you know, we all have different tastes and so then I started doing some research because that's what I like to do. And I started finding all of these amazing resources. And uh, the first one I found was the McShin Foundation. They had a recovery coach manual uh, just for free, a PDF. And I was like, oh, what's that? And I, I read the whole thing and I was like, oh, I want to do that. So that's how, that's how the whole thing started. So he probably doesn't even know he was the catalyst for my recovery. So thank you. Wow. Well, congratulations. That's, that's excellent. It's not, not a lot of people can, can do what you did. So congratulations. Well, I think more can do it than they believe they can do it. If we could change that belief system, I'm sure there would be a lot more of me all over the place. Oh yeah, I bet. So, okay. So bare bones this here. Um, what qualifies you, like, well, I guess it's probably a little bit gray area, but when does it become addiction? Like, and this could be, and when you deal with addiction, you deal with everything, right? Like, not just alcohol. Do you deal with some of the, the big hitters, too? Some oh, of the yeah, like nasty heroin street and, stuff. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah that's oh, a big, it's a big one yeah, out here where I am. You'd be surprised. And, mm-hmm. and even cocaine. I live in Napa, so there's, uh, you know, there, it's just whatever you want, you can find it. It's unbelievable. So I do help people that basically they want to be helped. And that sounds like a like a no-brainer, but what I find um, a lot is they want to want to stop. And that is all the difference in the world. Yeah. I mean, you and you can't help someone that doesn't want any help. I know exactly. that that's... That's true for a lot of people who are in like the denial phase of having an addiction where it's like, no, 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 this is, I know, and I've seen it mostly with alcohol, but it's, you know, oh, I don't have a problem at all. And other people on the outside can clearly see that there's an issue and you can't help them when, if they, they can't get there themselves that what they're doing isn't okay. Yeah. And I, I don't judge and that's one of my things. I'm, I'm really into, um, you know, motivational interviewing and the stages of change. So you have to truly meet someone where they're at. So if they're just considering maybe cutting back, I wouldn't 
throw out, hey, you need to stop completely today and I'm going to throw you in a rehab or do an intervention. It's like the success will be when they see incremental progress and they're in control of it. And that's what that's what uh, perpetuates the, the desire to keep going because they're motivated. Yeah. And okay. So if you're sitting around and you're thinking, man, I think I have a problem. I'm doing, you know, I'm too much of X, Y, or Z. How, how do you like, what do you do? How do you go out and find help? Like what, what are the resources? Do you pick up the phone? Do you get online? Do you just shout into the void? What do you, how do you (laughs) shout into the void? I'm going to steal that. Okay. But I'll give you credit once in a while. Absolutely. Uh, I'm fine with that. Um, well, what, what, what they really want is structure and consistency and someone to actually believe in them. And that's, that's really uh, key because there's, they've tried probably a hundred times without telling people because they don't want to get their hopes up and right. that it doesn't work. And then they feel worse and then they feel the shame and this. And, but stigma is the, the brutal force that we all have to deal with. And it's the stigma of losing your family, your loved ones, what you've done with your life. It's just overwhelming. And I always tell people, if shame worked, we'd all be fine. Because <laughs> <laughs> we are the our own worst critic, right? Oh, yeah. So I say, you know what? Just leave that outside the door when you come in and deal with me. And let's just get down to brass tacks. And it's drinking or starting doing drugs, you know, for most people that end up having a problem, because I don't think everyone's an addict, obviously, or has addictive behavior. I mean, I don't even use those words. So, um, but people that have a tendency to, to numb out it are people that just don't know how to process their emotions. Right. So if you, if you can get them to want to do that and it's, it's, it gets really tough for them. I mean, it's, it's not an easy thing to be vulnerable, but if you can get there, then you really have something to work with. So it's, it takes a lot of strength and courage to step up to this plate. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I guess since since we're also talking about not just uh, alcohol, which I know even with the, with with the stigma of having an addiction and trying to say, hey, I have a problem – what if that added stigma of what you're doing is patently illegal? Like I'm doing drugs that I shouldn't be doing. Like what there's, there's a fear of saying, Hey, I have a problem doing this because you're afraid that someone might turn you in or mm-hmm. that you're going to be you know, shamed on that figure. I mean, is that there's like coming to you or coming to someone like you that that's, that's a safe thing to do. Correct. Yeah. I mean, there's, and I want to talk about this. You briefly just touched on it before, but like the, the background certification of a recovery coach, um, they're all different because it's not regulated. So I think that's really important for people to know. Uh, but when people want to come to me, they're pretty resolved to the fact that at least they feel like I have a problem, but not, I'm an alcoholic or a drug addict, you know, it's like, yeah, I might, upsetting my wife or I might miss a couple appointments but it's not a big deal I'm okay that's when I usually you know uh, become a part of their of their world and they know 
they just, they're in a, a place of, you know, it's scary for them to admit that because once you admit something, you have to do something about it. And I always tell people, once you know better, you'll do better. And once they work with me, they know better. And even if they forgot, you know, we don't lose our knowledge and our language. So we just uncover, uncover and, you know, peel the layers back and, and then we get down to it. Okay. Yeah. And so, yeah, because I know that my, when I went to college, our college town had the rule of if you get stump, like if you need to have your stomach pumped, if you have alcohol poisoning, mm-hmm. even if you're under the age of 21, which is clearly illegal for you to be drinking, you can come to the hospital, get treated, and we are not going to arrest you. Yeah. So we will help treat you. So, and, and that's, I guess that's what, uh, I guess that's my curiosity. If someone is just, you know, is on heroin or doing cocaine or whatever, and they're, they're addicted to it and they know that they need to stop. I mean, is there the fear that they're going to reach out to somebody and that person's going to say, you know, ha I'm actually a secret cop. Like, is that a thing? I don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't <laughs> that the people don't want to um, go to ho- the hospitals because they think they'll get arrested. Right. Yeah. Like they think that they, that what they're doing they're they can't reach out for help from right. someone from professional because they're, well, they're not doing something that they're supposed to be doing in the first place. You know, that, that kind of language is not helpful. If I were to say, you know, basically I don't, you know, be accusatory or, or blame right. them. I mean, I'm in a place of, wow, that is one thing that's incredible that you're even looking into help. So you motivate them by just pointing out all of the little, it sounds like little millions of things, but every step is a total brick for a strong foundation. So them just on their own asking for help is huge. So you never take away someone's strength when they're down. I mean, when they're up to, but especially when they're (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So um, what I would advise as far as, um, I know in California we're a lot more liberal than like, you know, Mississippi or whatever, but we have laws that protect people that are trying to save someone's life. And I think that should be not based state by state. I think that should be a nationwide policy. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I agree with that. Mm -hmm. So if you don't know what your state does as long as you have google google it and do your research and and even there's uh so many nonprofits that are um based out of harm reduction which i want to talk about um they would know so it's all about just trying to reduce your risk it's like i always say if you're gonna act stupid be smart about it <laughs> i like that i really like that. <laughs> um okay so okay so wait and you want to talk about it, and I got curious when you said it. Harm reduction. Mm-hmm. Go. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I love it. I think it's uh, it's not something everyone understands until I say this very same thing over and over again. So anybody that knows me, they're probably rolling their eyes. <laughs> um, I ask, do you wear a seatbelt? Yes. Well, you're practicing harm reduction. Oh, harm that reduction. Does make sense. Yeah. What is harm reduction? Reducing the harm that you would incur doing what you're going to be doing anyway. So condoms, if you don't want to have kids. <laughs> right. You know, there you go. 
a reduction of the chance that you're going to if you have a condom on. So we don't advocate or promote doing messed up things that are not healthy for you. But what we do promote, it's a whole grassroots effort and it's coast to coast. I will put you in contact with great resources so you can refer. Um, there's hams in New York. There's harm reduction um, in based out of Oakland. I mean, there's the uh, another part of harm reduction would be the uh, the needle exchange. That's pretty much the biggest component. If anyone knows about harm reduction, they'll they'll be like, oh, okay, and that's pretty controversial. So it's not the run of the mill daily thing that people go to, but once they find out about it. For a lot of people, it just makes more sense. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, I will I will riddle my show notes um, <laughs> for this podcast with links to everything because I want to uh, make sure that if this if this entire episode only helps one person, I'm completely fine with that. So, uh, yes, riddled with info to anything that you've mentioned here. So, you know, be sure to – I'll hit you up afterward, but be sure to send me oh, everything you've got. Yeah. And, um, yeah, okay, so to carry on with that, um, if – I'm not somebody, you know, like in a hypothetical, I'm not a person that, that has a problem, but I definitely notice that someone that I know or care about has reached out for help and they're going through the recovery process. What is something that I can do to help them? Well, if you're concerned about someone, uh, it's a little different when someone is getting out of control, quote unquote, with drugs or alcohol, mm-hmm. uh, because if you have that conversation soon as you're aware of it, if you set a healthy boundary, you're saying, look, this isn't how you usually act. And it's completely without judgment. All you're doing is, is saying what you're seeing. And if it's facts, then they can't dispute it. You know, mm-hmm. you're not saying, I can't believe it. And getting them <laughs> all set up to be defensive and in denial. But when you care about someone, you're going to say something, you know, if they were right. sick or looking like crap, you wouldn't be like, you know, oh, I'm just going to pretend I don't notice that. Right. That makes sense. Now, and if, and if that person is, is already actively going through recovery, like I know that they have talked to somebody and they are going through, you know, they're being healthy, they're doing their thing or well, healthy, quote unquote, whatever. Um, oh, what can I do to to I aid their recovery. Like they're, they're going through it. And I know that that recovery must be a bear of a thing to deal with. Well, there are, um, a lot of different ways, but the, the best way you could help someone is that they feel comfortable enough with you that, and you should kind of, uh, initiate this because it's scary for them. It's like how to, how to relearn how to walk not going to be pretty. It's not going to be completely perfect. And you need to talk about that. You know, what are they willing to do? Because like you said, they won't do anything because you want them to. Right. So, and if they're comfortable, ask them, ask them their the per, uh, permission. Hey, do you mind if we talk about this? It's just out of concern. And if there's a way I can help you brainstorm and, you know, do things in a different way, um, you know, it might work out better. And most people would be receptive to that. Absolutely. 
Okay, yeah. Um, hmm. I'm trying to think. I was, I've like went all over the place with all of my questions, and now I'm just, <laughs> I'm like, I have a million questions I want to ask you all at one time. So, um, <laughs> well, I can tell you, um, about a couple of other things, um, like smart recovery because yes, it's, uh, it. it's evidence based. Okay. And that is also one of the things in my early, I, I call it my recovery, but I really am growing out of that word for myself. I think it's more of a just an evolution, you know, of growth and renewal. And we all do that in different capacities. Yes. So I, when I was doing my research, smart recovery. The smart recovery is based on cognitive behavioral therapy. And this is when I took psychology in college and I was interested, but I hadn't heard about it in a really long time. And I was like, well, that sounds interesting. And maybe that would help me. And so I started going to therapy and I was really understanding smart recovery, although you don't have to go to therapy. But um, then I found heart math. My therapist had heart math. And that is a fantastic product too. It, it helps you regulate your breathing and you can actually see, you know, like when you are in the hospital and you see your heartbeat or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they have a little thing like that. It's a program you can buy. I don't get paid for this saying this, by the way. <laughs> um, but Free advertising. Really, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'll email them later about that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like, it showed me, I mean, literally it showed me that I could control myself. And that was the first glimpse of hope for me, you know, like, well, wait a minute, maybe I'm not a total, you know, mess up and a total loser. And, you know, I, maybe I could climb my way back. And, and that's when it started. Although it was, you know, so terrifying to think, oh, I'm not going to drink every day anymore. <laughs> but, oh yeah. Mm-hmm, so a lot of that's people... A- feel that way when they get started well that's i mean and it is such a, such a familiar thing to do especially when you're doing it daily hourly whatever just to give up something that big in your life is first mm-hmm. first of all very brave but also it's very scary because you don't what do you do how do you fill that time exactly so that is the that's another point i think i'm going to write a book because i introduce this topic so frequently uh, and everybody's really interested, and, but I'm doing it like piecemeal, you know, like one at mm-hmm. a time, maybe 10 at a time. Um, but it's, like I said, it's evidence-based, um, all the stuff that helped me. Now, do I say, because people will say, oh, I'm anti-AA. I'm like, I'm not anti-anything except for antioxidant. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Whatever I works like for you, works for you. Okay. Right. So... If something works for me and I'm not completely self-destructive and at risk of jail every single day because of the decisions I make on a daily, then it's working. That's harm reduction. I like that. Mm-hmm. See? Great. <laughs> yeah. And hey, when you when you write your book and you're on your book tour, let me know. We'll do a re- well. I'll re-interview you and all of your favorite. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think I I. I actually in the works of writing co-writing a book with someone who um he's actually uh the one who trained me to be a certified master recovery coach so 
now we're writing a book together. But I'm kind of uh, pushy and persistent on that. So he's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're doing it all. Getting double certified, writing a book. Got your... And I wait, so you have a YouTube channel as well, correct? Oh, yeah, I do. And I'm branching out, but I've had this channel for three years. Um, I took basically a whole year off because my master's program is three years. And I had to focus a lot more on that and working um, this past year. So it went to the wayside. But now I'm, it's it's getting back up and... I am learning to, or I'm going to learn how to start a podcast. So I have lined up so many incredible guests. It's just on, it's unreal. I feel like, you know, I should be on E! Entertainment instead of <laughs> on, a, on a podcast. But I'm meeting great people. And I think podcasters are like the nicest people I've ever met. I think they're pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> so I just have to learn how to get all set up with Apparently, it's, it's uh, uh, more difficult than I thought because I haven't really got got it up yet. But I'm hoping this month we'll see some we'll see some results. Oh yeah, once you once you get the ball rolling, I can I can speak from experience. It's the the journey all the way to that first uh, episode getting posted literally anywhere is the hardest you'll do, and then everything <laughs> between the next episodes is all it's all easy. So, um, well, I, I'm gonna take random- a word on it. Random podcasting advice in the middle of our addiction talk. I love it. Um, hey, life is about everything, right? Exactly. I like teaching people about all the things. So, okay. Well, I think that was, I was mostly curious about um, how how to go about helping and how to find help. Because I know that obviously there are just people everywhere that just need to be able to find help. And like I said, I have my show notes riddled with, you know, where to go and how to help and things that you've given me for how to help. Um, are there, is there any sort of advice that you would want to impart to anybody that might be on just right there on discovering something about themselves, about having a problem? Like what would you say to somebody who may or may not be in that gray area of having a problem? Well, I think a good rule of thumb is if you think you are having a problem, then you're having a problem. So does that mean that you are 100% on your way to, uh, you know, addiction? No, it just means you have to kind of look at what you're doing and cut back. It's like, am I eating too much cake or am I going out to dinner too much? It's like, that happens. Yeah. If, you, if you can reel it back in, then you're like actually most Americans or most people in the world. But for some, they're, uh, they're not able to just, stop when they say, Hey, I'm doing it too much. That's when I might come into, into your world and, you know, give you an assessment, talk to you and see what your goals are at that time. And, uh, let you know what's available, what I can do with you. You know, I, I always facilitate. I don't, I don't dictate. Um, I leave that up to like drill sergeants. (laughs) Um, it's a real collaborative endeavor. So just like how I explain it to people is working with someone at this level is a relationship and Mm -hmm. you're going to be talking about the, you know, vulnerable things and things that make you cry and things that are, are, are not anything that you want to remember, but you know, whatever comes out, 
you have to feel safe. And oh, absolutely, it, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So it's just like I just explain it like, hey, you know what? I would do if you're interested in recovery or sober coaching, talk talk to some recovery coaches, and most of them give you a 15 to 30 minutes free consultation call. So take them up on it and say, hey, this is my this is where I'm at. This is what I think I want, and what can you offer? You will know at the end of that phone call if you feel like that's, that person might be, might be the one, so to speak, you know? And find, find the right person. Oh, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's all about finding that right fit because this is going to be kind of like a recovery coach is the person that's going to kind of see you through some not-so-great times. Right. And so. they're the ones that are going to, we call it like um, in – in a school, we call it holding the container. So you need someone that's able to, or ego strength, you know, be your ego strength while you're at your, at your vulnerable, when you're doing some real work and, you know, looking within and processing. And it's, it's a lot of, you know, emotionally, it's, it's really trying times. So uh, depending on who you go to, they might not have the experience or the training like I do to help you move through it in a healthy way. So what I'm looking for is to help this person navigate without re-traumatizing themselves. Now, if you're with someone who took a three-day recovery coach training and got certified, are they going to be able to be there for you when you really need it? Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't know that you have to do your you have to do your your research and ask these questions. What is your background? What is your training? How long have you been doing this? You know, just I mean, we would ask the same or probably more questions about buying a car than we would doing this. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of a. Kind of a scary prospect. And plus, I know a lot of people, like, when they're going through that, they're like, well, I'll just ask my, you know, my really good friend that I've known forever to be my, you know, my my coach. And I don't need to get a professional help. I yeah. have, you know, you, you're my perfect friend. But, I mean, you can, you can, you, you kind of want to find somebody who's not a part of your life like that because. Yeah, because they, so, have, they yeah. can't, your friend's not going to tell you you're effing up. They right. might be afraid to show you too much too soon they're not sure what to say they might make it worse i mean this this is what they're thinking and i the person that potentially has the problem is going to start throwing their resentment on that person right and you need someone to hold you know help you be accountable and in the beginning it's about structure it's about consistency and about filling your time and that's how you start. That's brick by brick. Absolutely. So, okay. So when you say filling your time, I don't know, this is just a really off the cup question, but do you have like, are there like activities or things that you give to people to like fill up their time? Um, yeah, we play with bouncy balls a lot. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> I, well, I I'd have, be on board for that. If you just told me that's all we were going to do, I'm in. Yeah. Everybody's going to be a recovery coach. Well, 
it's a it's a it's a very tender time because you have to fill that space because like for example if you're on heroin for three years and you're an IV user me telling you oh you're not gonna do that today what you, you know <laughs> what what's the real motivation so I always use the uh, description of a little kid on the beach in the sand with his you know shovel yes now you see that all the time in the summer they're scooping out the sand if they don't fill that hole which would be a void with something very fast what's going to happen every single time it fills right back up because the waves keep coming in exactly so the way to help you um it like basically distract yourself is start focusing on what kind of goals what are you interested in able to do you know like at that time maybe there's they're not working well could you fill up some time maybe you know an x number of day i mean hours a day and say i'm going to look for a job mm-hmm. okay well maybe i can do that how many hours do you feel like you could realistically do maybe two you know you just started okay we'll do two hours well that's two hours more looking for a job being in that headspace which is crucial and the results are is he going to be proud of himself of course he's done something he probably hasn't done in quite a few months or weeks or years that's how it starts all right so i like that yeah, just, I mean, just finding anything. And I've read so many recovery stories where it's, you know, they've just started doing something that I would think is just really innocuous. You know, it's like, well, well, I started, you know, knitting or I started playing cards or I started golfing or something. It's just something to do with your hands that's keeping your mind active and you're not doing that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fill the void and hang out with friends because you don't want to isolate and if you um, have someone who can hold you accountable that real, really can, try that because, you know, your friend might not charge you. I charge. So if, <laughs> if they can um, do it consistently, then, you know, that might be the way to go. So recovery coaches aren't always uh, necessary. And they're available uh, everywhere. A lot of them fly out. A lot of them um, will, so they're called sober companions. I don't do that because I'm in school getting my master's, but um, that's just not my thing anyway. So I do all my stuff over the phone or over um, the internet, like Skype. Right. right. So they can't, yeah, so they don't have the excuse, you know, or, or rationale. (laughs) <laughs> say, oh, I can't get there. It's raining or my car doesn't have gas or it's too cold. You know, it's like they can't have... escape you. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> they cannot escape me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, that's you've answered all my questions and more. That was fantastic. Do you have any other like parting wisdom like that you wanted to make sure that got out to the masses? Yes, I do. Actually, I go for it. Go for it. Parting wisdom. They're pearls, don't you know? They're yes. gems, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would suggest anyone who 
is considering um, asking for help to have compassion for themselves because when you're at that point, it's really scary and all the outside world has that potential. So please don't judge yourself. You are someone that is asking for help. And the other, on the flip side, don't go toward anyone where you think they're going to judge you. You want someone who understands that you're, you're looking for help. You're not looking to be humiliated or, or, you know, running off to a, to a rehab. It's like, he just, this is where I'm at, you know, meet me here. That's the best advice I can give. And, oh, one more piece. Yeah. The, the third thing is, if you are not perfect, because that is one of the biggest uh, ways you will fail, to try to think this is a perfect process, because you're not a perfect person. You weren't perfect before you started heroin. You're not going to be perfect after. Oh, so. No. That's where the compassion, it has to be consistent. And if you, if you, you know, slip up or, or relapse or, you know, whatever you want to call it, it's your process. So it doesn't mean it's over. It's a part of your process. So, oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. absolutely. I, I, I'm on board with that a hundred percent. Cause you know, some people, they get into those head spaces where they forget that they're a human being and that while other human beings may not have the same problems that they're going through, they still have problems. Mm-hmm. And, you know, admitting you have the problem and being able to fix it is the beautiful part of being, you know, being alive. It's just like you make a mistake and you fix it. Exactly. They're, exactly. Yeah. Which is why I've never, I, I'm with you. I've never really understood the stigma where it's like, hey, you know what? They've, they've fallen in a hole. They're, they're, they're trying to get themselves out and they have you know, that's a congratulatory thing. That's a, Hey, you had something and you, you got over it. You did this. That's awesome. So just yeah. remember that you're, you know, a person, human beings make mistakes. Sometimes Aww, things happen. You're so awesome. I'm really glad I connected with you because I guess I think you're so grand because you really uh, think like me, <laughs> 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 but there's a, there's a different uh, philosophy, you know, Certain people are like, you know, tough love or they're, you know, let them, let the person um, hit rock bottom. It's like, well, I see it coming from a different angle. And it's, if I have someone in my life that is asking for help, that wants to be helped and who is making some effort, I'm not, I'm going to be there. You know, I'm not going to further abandon them. And if I see progress, then I want to help that, you know, nourish that if I can. And it doesn't mean I'm codependent or doesn't mean you're codependent. It means you care about someone. And if they feel you're approachable, they are much more likely statistically to eventually ask you for help. Doesn't that make sense? That does make sense. It makes it, it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. So, so if you're telling people to, you know, don't, don't talk to me until you're clean or sober, who knows when you're going to see that person again? Oh yeah. That's a very, that's a very risky move. It is risky, but you know the person and you know yourself. So it's not, 
it's not these very specific rules, you know, based on uh, on all the same factors. It's it's a dance, if, you know. And I if I see someone who is trying, then I'm going to try to see where I can help. Now, does that mean give them money? No. Does that mean take their crap or their manipulation? If that's what they're doing, absolutely not. But if they're like, hey, you know, I'm I'm really thinking I might need some help. Well, say, hey, you know, maybe we can look up rehabs together. Or like, you know, start the conversation. Where are you at? If they're like, they just want to get some money, then say, well, you know, well, good luck with that. If they're talking about, I'm a little lost. I got sidetracked. <laughs> because you help. And you're like, well, now we can start having a conversation. So healthy boundaries are crucial. Absolutely. All right. Well, they, they, thank you so much for talking with me. Honestly, this is, this was great. Well, I'm so happy to. I was so excited. And thank you so much about changing the time five times for me. <laughs> no problem. Okay. Well, quick, uh, make sure everyone knows how to find you on the big wide world web. Okay. Um, I have two websites. Uh, it's theaddictionshow.com. You're going to see a lot of experts, um, leaders in the field, Sometimes, you know, celebrities, but I think the scientists are the real celebrities <laughs> and people I know, random people. Um, you can find a lot of information on the website, The Addiction Show, and you will also find the link that will take you to the YouTube channel, which you can absolutely subscribe to. Please do. And also, um, you can email me at theaddictionshow.com and you can tell me, you know, whatever you want to, your show sucks or I love it. Um, <laughs> I want to be a guest, you know, cause I, I'm definitely a uh, grassroots on this. So yeah, reach out to me and I would love it. And if you want to say hi, you know, I could give you a possible shout out when I'm doing the show. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Shira. Thank you so much. So there it is, my wonderful interview. If you guys have any questions or comments about this interview or want more information on how to get a hold of Shira or any of the links that she had, most of it will be in the show notes. So if there's anything that I've left out, let me know and I will add it in there. Also, if you would like to get a hold of me, you can email me, learntoadult at gmail.com. I am also very active on Twitter for the podcast, always throwing my thing, at learntoadult. You can also go to the website, www.learntoadult.com. Com. And we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, all of the wonderful places that you could possibly find a podcast. If you find me there, please throw me a rating and or a review. That would make me feel great. So thank you guys so much for listening to this week. Next week, we'll have another wonderful podcast. I hope to see you then. Bye, guys.